You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, doing good, Shane, and I imagine you are as well, because we had a Saturday of college football action in Tennessee. Hey, they didn't lose a game. Tennessee didn't lose. My big lock of the week won. Mike, it was a good one. Had some really good games this weekend. We didn't have a lot of them, but damn, some of them were really good. Well, let's just get right into it, Shane, because we got a lot to cover here. And let's start, I think, with the... Uh, most surprising result of the weekend, and that's Auburn, Shane, defending the home turf, beat down Mississippi State 56-23. to mm. And this game, I mean, Mississippi State never really had a shot in this one from the get-go, Shane, because it was just miscues by the Bulldogs, and Auburn just jumped on them, jumped out to mm-hmm. an immediate 21-0 lead. And I don't know if you, everyone was talking about this on Saturday, Shane. Uh, Booby Whitlow ran into the Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> I did see it. <laughs> everyone was upset about that, but uh, Bully the Bulldog, he was the only one that touched Whitlow on that. I mean, Auburn scored on the first touch of the game, and they just had their way with them, Shane. And this is uh, something that I've been harping on. I've been a little critical of Bo Nix because I think, particularly after that Oregon game, everyone was anointing him as the savior. And I said, well, he's not really been accurate with his throws, particularly downfield. But if they get that, Auburn's going to look unstoppable. And that's exactly what happened Saturday night uh, on the Plains. Yeah, for sure, man. This was a a barn burner, man. And it just – I don't know if if it was – it's when I thought about this game – I thought about Mississippi State made some boneheaded plays. They made mm-hmm. some mistakes. And Auburn was just not forgiving. It's like if you messed up, they capitalized every t- single time it felt like, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I hit on Bo Nix there. He was 16 of 21, 335 yards. That's a career best for him uh, through the air. But he also led Auburn on the ground, Shane, with uh, 56 yards rushing. He also had that touchdown on the ground there. But one of the biggest things I thought, you know, Schwartz, not to say he had a bad game, but he was he did score the rushing touchdown, but it's not like they needed him a whole lot. Right. What really jumped out to me is it seems like Bo Nix and Seth Williams, and of course he's the guy that had the touchdown against Oregon, the game winner. 
He had eight catches for 161 and two touchdowns. He seems to have a real rapport going with Bo Nix, mm-hmm. and that's what Auburn needs because they need to threaten teams down the field. And now that they got Seth Williams back on the field, I don't know, Shane. I'm not going crazy, but you know we're five games into the season. But if Auburn's offense plays like this, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want this this clip to go viral and me have to go ahead, words. Mike. Where are you going if, with it? If Auburn's offense can be this effective, this team can win the national championship. I have no doubt oh, about that. My gosh, you know it's funny that you say that because, and I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to talk about this team. But you know, when you think about the West, you know you've got to win the West. The first team you always think about is Alabama. And something that Alabama is not able – they're scoring fast. But it's one of these balanced teams I think is going to give Bama the biggest fit. And a lot of people are looking at LSU. They're circling that game, Alabama-LSU shootout. I think that's what Alabama is designed for. But they're not designed for these long, sustaining drives that Auburn's been able to put up, this balanced offense, a lot like Georgia – And if you keep that Alabama defense on the field, that's how I think you get past that team. And Auburn has the pieces, man. Bo is coming around. He he's he doesn't look like a freshman out there, dude. I mean, the guy Mm -hmm. is is playing better than almost all the quarterbacks in the SEC right now, except for maybe two or three of them. You know, so I, I mean, that's where they're at. They're balanced. They're not. They're not gimmicky. I thought Auburn offense may get a little gimmick at times last year, but mm-hmm. it, it just seems like they're just playing sound fundamental football right now. And I think you're right, Shane. I think Bo Nix, the missing piece there, he's just so different than Jarrett Stidham. He fits this offense. Mm-hmm. He's getting more comfortable. He's getting better with each game. Well, let's jump here to Gus Malzahn, Shane, talking about Bo Nix getting more comfortable in this offense. And then he was also asked about uh, – being the more physical team here on Saturday against a very physical Mississippi State team, and and that was the difference. You know, I think you see him every game and every snap. He feels a little more comfortable, and the game gets slower. And um, you know, he really was accurate with his throws. Made some very good uh, throws on intermediate routes, and made some really good throws on some deep balls and and short game too. You know, hit a couple slants there. I thought was good. Um, and, um, you know, he, he hurt him with his feet, you know, and any time that quarterback can hurt you with the feet and throw like he did tonight, that's a good thing. Yeah, did you see that kind of in, in practice, just how he maybe carried himself? Yeah, I mean, really, to be honest with you, the, the way he's carried himself in practice has been that same, you know, every week. It's just a matter of he's got to get out there. And when you get out there, that's when you learn. I mean, practice, you know, but – so the good thing is things are starting to slow down. I mean, he still needs – there's certain things he needs to work on and all that. But every game it looks to me like he is getting more comfortable. For, for a league game. And, and they're a solid team. I mean, I'm impressed with them. And the thing about it, you know, every time we play those guys, I mean, it's a physical deal. Last year they out-physical us. They whipped us. Well, this year we flipped the switch on it and we won both lines of scrimmage. Five rushing attempts. Did you come into the game trying to establish that physicality early on? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we're, we're a run-play-action team, you know, and uh, we need to run the football to be successful. And so, really, that's our mindset in every game. And, you know, you get in a game and, you know, how what they're giving you dictates kind of what you, what you call. But, you know, you've got to be able to run the football successfully in this league to be there at the end. All right, Shane. So, like I noted, Auburn jumped out to the 21 to nothing lead. 
And then at one point, Shane, right after halftime, Auburn scored again. It was 49-9. to mm-hmm. And Gus also talks about the fact that they got their uh, third-string unit out <laughs> on the field against Mississippi State, I think he said, in the third quarter. So, I mean, that just gives you an idea of the whooping that was delivered here. And, I mean, if I don't know if Auburn continues to play like this. I know they got an incredibly tough game next week, but I think they've really opened some eyes, and I can, there are still doubters out there that I've seen. I don't, I don't know what they're seeing the, to doubt this team at this moment. Oh man, and I, and I, there's not a bigger doubter than this man on this podcast, you know. But I changed my tune. It, it took me a little while, but you know, about three games in, I said, wait a minute, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a fluke. This is a legit ball club out of the West, and. I was uh I was a little concerned even about this game, you know. I did I knew Auburn was going to win, but I thought Mississippi State would play better. And I and I just like I said earlier, I really do think that Mississippi State could have played this game a little bit better, but they just made some stupid mistakes right there on the opening drive with the delay of game. I mean, it was it, it started then, and then it just kind of just kind of creeped through the whole game. Next thing you know, it's like every time Auburn had the ball, they scored. So you mm-hmm. can't have that. You, you just you know, when you're playing a team of that caliber, you have got to create some turnovers or at least some uh, turnovers and downs. And the Mississippi State was just not able to get them off the field. Well, let's shift to the Bulldogs there, Shane, because Tommy Stevens he was kind of a surprise starter. He was active for this game. But he led the team out there to two three and outs. And I don't particularly put that on him. He did get injured after the second one, and Garrett Schrader came in, and Schrader played really well. Mm-hmm. But Tommy Stevens, on his two drives, Shane, I believe they started running the ball on both first downs, and they went backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one of the third downs, he threw it to, I believe it was Osiris Mitchell, and Mitchell had it, and he just dropped it. So... I don't get the people that are coming out against Tommy Stevens. I know Garrett Schrader, he had a really good day. He was 12 of 23, 209 yards, two touchdowns, and he also added another 89 on the ground and a touchdown. But this offense with Garrett Schrader, to me, it just resembles that Nick Fitzgerald one that we saw last year. And Mississippi State's just not really able to push it down the field. Clearly, Schrader's an elite athlete. I mean, he's the future of this team. And I saw even media members, I see in fans, everyone saying they need to just go all in on Garrett Schrader. But I think, I think that's because Tommy Stevens has been hurt. And I know you're in the you're in the bearded Schrader yeah. bandwagon, but I don't know. I just don't know. We saw we just saw right here what happens when you're going up a team with more talent. If you can't throw the ball, I don't think Mississippi State can beat them. And I think that's kind of why they got to roll with Tommy Stevens. I think that's the problem with Mississippi State's not just the quarterback though. It's uh, the defense look like crap at times. You know the the there's no weapons. There's no weapons emerging other than Hill on that offense. You know and and even Hill couldn't get it going. They held, they had that box that's loaded seven eight in, at times. You know so they they knew that Schrader was going to have to throw and he just couldn't get it done and. You know, you got to remember, this is a true freshman, so there, there's going to be some growing pain, especially when you're at Auburn University playing. You know, so I, I'm not, I'm not upset with the performance I saw from the bearded trader, but I am upset that no one else is stepping up, man. It just kind of felt like he was the entire offense at times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw it, Shane, but old Bob Shoop, the defensive coordinator, I mean, he 
he apologized on Twitter on Sunday for that performance. <laughs> and I, I guess that's the right move to do because his defense did get completely shredded. Uh, so let's jump over to Joe Moorhead, Shane, talking about this one, uh, talking about the rough start and the status of Tommy Stevens, who now it looks like his he came out with the, in a walking boot, so now it's his leg that's hurt or his foot or something, uh, on Garrett Schrader. And I don't know if you saw it, Shane, but uh, during this game he got a penalty called on him. And Joe Moore had a very interesting comment here. Uh, I, I just I really wanted to add this because I've, I've not heard a coach come out and say something quite like this. Coach, kind of a nightmare sequence that first drive of delay game, the first play of the yeah, game. Think, and on the point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what, what, what were you seeing there? What, what kind of happened to break down there? I thought the clock was getting run when we were coming off the sideline early, but that's just me. So we, uh, we had the delay game. Uh, you know, we... Uh, you know, we took the sack, and then uh, you didn't get punt. You get in field position at the 30, and uh, you know they get one run play, and it's not ideal. And then the next drive, we have third down and whatever, and we have a little dig route coming from the backside. We catch it, it's a conversion, and the ball gets dropped. So uh, that leads right to points, and uh, you know, kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, so certainly against against this team, you can't you can't spot them 21 right off the bat. Less than ideal. On oh, Tommy, he got a lower body. Which, which is what kept them out of the rest of the game and, and just dinged up the upper body a little bit. But I think you're really seeing the, the potential in, in the, the promise of Schrader. Uh, 16 for 112, lost some, had 89 rushing and a touchdown, and threw for 209 and two touchdowns you know, against you know, one of the top defenses in the country. Uh, going into relief, I think the kids, he got an unbelievable future. I think he played a solid game. Once again, he made a couple of freshman mistakes there down on the goal line, not tucking it high and tight. Overthrew a couple guys who were dropped out of a helicopter screaming open down the field, but you know uh, and That's gonna happen sometimes with a freshman, but I think his 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 game and his performance uh, You know is, is uh, You know something for people to look forward to because the kids gonna be a special player Brian you started hitting on it a minute ago the penalty that was called on you what happened? What happened on, on the penalty on me? Mm -hmm. Well, I saw what happened right in front of my face and uh, felt it was a target and didn't see the flag thrown and uh, asked, didn't say anything to him personally. I asked, where's the flag? And uh, apparently he, he, didn't, he didn't like how I asked the delivery of it. So I'm guessing there aren't many other coaches in the league that that will get called on with that language, but that's just me. Steve. Coach, uh, not to I get you. Stand, you have to stand up for your players. So I didn't see that flag come out on something where I thought they targeted our quarterback. Uh, didn't see the flag come out. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask it the way it needs to be asked. And, all right, Shane, so Moorhead, obviously understandable right after this game. He doesn't want to get into the quarterbacks and, you know, who's going to start moving forward, but <laughs> sounds like they've got a ton of confidence in Schrader, and they should. He's he's playing really well, and, and we got to keep in mind he's obviously just a true freshman. This is his first road start, and he still had a hell of a game, so I'm certainly not trying to bury him. I think I think he's going to be outstanding in this offense for years to come. But how about that, Shane? Joe Moorhead talking about <laughs> I bear, I'm sure he probably said, you know, where's the fucking flag? That, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I imagine is what he said, and he's wondering why he gets flagged for it. But I just uh, I appreciate the the honesty there from Joe Moorhead. Obviously, these refs never been around Pittsburgh people, Mike. Because <laughs> 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 you and I have a lot of our families from up that way, and I tell you what. They use the F-bomb pretty, pretty often, <laughs> even when they're in a the good mood, you know? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, uh, let me ask you though, Mike. I do. I have to ask because it's all over Twitter. Uh, in fact, one of our buddies, well, listeners, uh, Lenny, sent us a tweet here. Uh, says, "Oh Lord, it's happening." They've started a GoFundMe for Joe Moorhead's buyout. Do you think Joe Moorhead is on a hot seat right now? No, not at all. Yeah, I didn't. I don't understand that. Why people are are so out against him? I mean, if anything. It was that damn defense that was just abysmal yeah. uh, last night. And I don't think a lot of people, obviously the Mississippi State fans and you know people that are diehard SEC fans, people that listen to this podcast should know, but I don't think the casual people understand these suspensions and the fact that you know they've got some key players out. They all sat them for this one. So I guess the strategy is to play these guys for the, the games they really think they have a shot to win. I don't know. I mean, when you have eight to ten guys that are out of the lineup, some of them are very key players, mm-hmm. and your quarterback's banged up. I know that sounds like an excuse, but you shouldn't be losing 56 to 23. That's going to happen. I mean, that yeah. even happened to Dan Mullen at, when he was at Mississippi State from time to time. But, uh, no, I, I can't imagine why people are saying this. I mean let – me, let, me, let me ask you one follow-up here because – you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of shoot. You know, when he was at Tennessee, I did not see the improvement I was promised. And now he went to Mississippi State last year, and this defense was fantastic. But you got you saw what talent they had on this field. You know, you saw it right. during draft day. Do you think that he's a little overrated? Maybe a little bit, but I just really think I've always said this, and people mock me when I say this, but. I think the all these coaches are overrated. I think it comes down to players, and that's why Alabama is always at the damn top. I mean, they've yeah. always got the best players. Uh, I mean, LSU's defensive coordinator, you know, everyone loves him, but he, he's got first-round picks all over the unit. I mean, it's just there's a reason why, you know, Kentucky was so good last year. They had some NFL players. They don't have them this year. Look what's – I mean, it's the same coaches. Yeah. You know, I, I just – not to say that the coaching doesn't matter. That's how sometimes people take it, but – I just think, what did Bob Shoup do when he had elite talent? He had the best defense in the SEC. Yeah. Now that he doesn't have it, now it's, we're starting to see, you know, it's not nearly as good. So uh, I maybe Bob Shoup, I don't know. I, I just hate to say he's overrated. I think he's properly rated. Um, I think he was certainly overrated at Tennessee, though, I'll say that. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, I'm looking at 570 yards of offense, you know. It just mm-hmm. they had no answer to slow down this this Auburn attack and and like he said at times there was third string in there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that would that upsets me. That's a big red flag. So uh, I'm a little concerned with that because as much as I love Auburn, this is not the best offense that they're going to face this year. Mm-mm. All right, Shane. Let's jump to another game here: Texas A&M and Arkansas. This was one of the more interesting or more entertaining games of the day, I guess you'd say. And the Mm -hmm. Aggies, they do it again, Shane, here in the Southwest Classic and just break Arkansas's heart. Win it 31-27. Arkansas with the terrific response. I heard fans call this one Club Moral Dub. (laughs) Instead of a moral victory, moral dub. I like it. But, man, a uh, little concerning here, obviously, for Texas A&M, Shane. Everyone thinks, uh, going into this game at least, that Arkansas one of the worst teams in the SEC, and they've certainly played like it at times. 
But uh, they showed a lot of heart in this one. I thought Kellen Mond, for the most part, outside of that terrible interception he had, he really basically the entire offense for the Aggies. Starting to get really concerned here about their rushing attack. I mean, they could only muster 89 rushing yards against an Arkansas defense that, uh, you know, really has not been that good. And for the Razorbacks, I just thought that, uh, you know, you got to give a ton of credit for Ben Hicks coming off the bench and really rallying the Razorbacks here. Uh, Nick Starkle obviously hurt when he threw an interception there, a terrible interception in the red zone. And uh, how about C.J. O'Grady, Shade? I mean, he was just... He was just a man among boys here on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think they fed him enough, man. You know, I was watching that first opening drive, and it was like first down after first down. Yeah, buddy, now it's a party. So then – and then I'm watching it, and it's like, yeah, we're not going to throw it though, Grady. Yeah, we're not going to let Boyd run this one. You know, it's like we're going to try something different, and then they're ending up kicking a field goal from 52 yards out. You know, it was just that type of game. Mm-hmm. Arkansas – blew this one man texas a&m's lucky i mean they are they better be counting their lucky stars because arkansas had their number and they blew it dude they did they did not give the the few weapons that they had on this team they did not give them an opportunity opportunity there at the end of the game you know uh i mean i know what you could say about o'grady with that last attempt but it it, it never should have got there because they had they had uh, Texas A&M's number, man. Like you said, they couldn't run the ball. It was all on Mond, and and he wasn't great. I mean, he made some great plays, but I don't know. I just I I I, I bet a hundred dollars more. Love to have this one back. Yeah, Shane. If you didn't know the final score, maybe even if you watched the game on mute or something, and you watched these two teams, I think you would have came away thinking. Arkansas was the team that was ranked, and Texas A&M wasn't. I thought Arkansas was – they looked like they had the better team and some of the better athletes. And I did hear a lot of talk from the Razorback fans pretty pissed off at uh, the non-call there at the end of the game, defensive pass interference. And uh, I tend to agree that was – I don't say that was an egregious call. It probably should have been called, but I don't think that cost them the game. I think what really cost them the game, Shane, you know, miscues like Early in the game, they missed a field goal when they had two shots at it. Mm-hmm. And then the one that was the really backbreaker that I knew that A&M was going to win this was right before the half when they th- they threw the touchdown pass to a guy in the middle of the field, and there was about six Razorbacks all around him. And yeah. he just he just did a damn circle around him and got in the end zone right before half. I mean, that was a damn backbreaker right there. I think Arkansas would have had all the momentum in the second half going if not for that play and – you know, just the way this one has played out over the years, it's just kind of – you just expect it to go wrong for Arkansas. Like, I would have been <laughs> stunned had they drove the field and scored the final touchdown. Not saying – you know, not even based on the game, but just based on the history of it. And that's, of course, what happened. And, uh, man, just another tough one here for Arkansas. And I'm telling you, I, I, I think this is one of those games that both fan bases are upset about, you know. Texas A&M did not want this to be a ball game. They thought they would come in and just steamroll these guys. And Arkansas is upset because they blew an opportunity and should have won it. I really do think that at this given moment, when you're paying Jimbo Fisher $75 million, you expect more. And I don't think they're getting it. And I think, honestly, at this moment, I think they're overrated, man. I think we uh, – something you and I were discussing a little bit Saturday, we just – I think A&M is not – 
as good as as we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not trying to pile on the Yankees here because you did win the game. You never apologized for winning an SEC game, and they shouldn't. You know, you yeah. win it, you win it, and you you move on, and hopefully you improve. But I did want to ask you this, Shane: Why in the world is Texas A&M ranked after this performance on Saturday? Do you have any idea? No idea. What is that? Three losses now. Well, no, they two have, they're, they're three two and losses, two. That's right. Yeah, but they've beaten an FCS team. They've barely beat an Arkansas team that that many view as the worst in the SEC, and then they beat uh, Texas State, which is apparently not an FCS team. <laughs> yeah, no, they. I mean, you got to remember their two losses were against Auburn and Clemson. You know, right. some we're talking about Auburn being the best team in the nation, so I could see that. I mean. They did hang in there a little bit with Auburn, but man, the schedule don't get easier. You got Alabama right around the corner, so I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be ranked long. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump over to Jimbo Fisher. Shane, he's asked after this one if uh, you know how he feels about this game that was significantly closer than a lot of people thought it would be, and on the uh, the performance here of Kellen Mond, who really carried the Aggies on Saturday. Coach, uh, you spoke of the positive and negative aspects of the game. Overall, do you feel good about this win? Yes, it's a win. I always feel good. Listen, a win's a win. You always feel good because you find ways to persevere and have success. But you're not satisfied. You're not content. You're not that you know there's a lot of issues that we have to get fixed to go on down the road to play good football. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we have to do. I mean, you're all, listen, there's no bad wins. I don't care what you say because I've been on some bad losses and you should have had on a win. And that, there's no such thing. But by no means am I happy, satisfied, or content with what we're doing, how we're doing it, and the way we're doing it. Speaking of Kellen, is he kind of carrying the team right now? I mean, well, I think, well, you guys are relying on him an awful lot. We are. Well, I mean, tell me what good team doesn't rely on a good quarterback. <laughs> You know what I mean? And our good receivers. I mean, you got some good receivers that are making plays too. We got to get more balanced in what we're doing. And I mean, a lot of guys catching balls and making runs out there too now. I mean, it's just some guys blocking in the passing game and getting open. I mean, that's that's just a part of it that he does. And the quarterback run game, when you have an athletic quarterback, it equals it evens the numbers up and gives you an advantage. When you run the quarterback and you do it, you got to pick and choose, but it creates better angles for your linemen. It, it makes them have easier blocks on how you do things and the way you do things. And those things are critical to be able to use when you have to use. I know you talked a little bit about the quarterback run game. How much was an emphasis this week on Kellen working in scrambling and, and opening up the well, running that scram- way? Well, see, scram- you can't – if you say scrambling, if there's called quarterback runs is one thing. Scrambling is something that you can't design. You can say it all you want. That's instinct because you don't know when that play is going to come out. I mean, that's why I know I, back when – you love an athletic quarterback because he can create those plays. But here's the thing as an offensive guy. Tell me when they're coming. I'll feel a lot better. <laughs> I, 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 and I say to people, you say it about all those great quarterbacks and defensive guys hate those guys. But as an offensive guy, you still have to make decisions from the pocket and play and then, then run when, it's, when those openings are there. And a lot of that's feel and touch. And sometimes those openings aren't there. And so because you can't count on them unless they're designed runs and things you have. But you know, that aspect of the game, though, does put a lot more pressure on their defense in certain coverages in which they do, how they rush you, the way things go. And he was able to hit some of those today. And it was a very big part of our game. Very critical. All right, Shane, so Jimbo's not, you know, I thought he'd be a little bit more heated than this, but uh, maybe he's just had $75 million in his pocket. It's, it's hard not to uh, have a smile on your face when you got that, you know what? Absolutely. I wish I had that money, man. I My day would have went a lot better, so <laughs> I don't know. He's 
you know, he's going to get on to these boys. Like you said, you cannot apologize for a win. I don't know what I was thinking there. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm upset because I thought they'd be further along than now. they got to figure something out, man. they got no running running backs, man. I thought Spiller would be the guy. He he had zero yards. So, I, I, at this moment, I don't know what they are. I, I'm trying to figure them out. I just can't. Yeah, and their next game, Shane, is a home game at least. It's in two weeks. They're, they're on a bye, but then they get Alabama. Yeah. So they've got to get this cleaned up immediately. It can't it can't just be on Martin. You can't just let him run around and try to make something happen, you know. Uh, he's going to get killed by the time the season's over. Now let's jump over to the other side, Shane. Chad Morris talking about uh, Nick Starkle's injury and his status moving forward. And the he- I, I would call it a he- heroic performance here from Ben Hicks. I was incredibly impressed. This is the best mm-hmm. I've ever seen him play. Uh, and, he, and, of course, he did it off the bench. He looked outstanding to me. And then, uh, finally, on how his team responded after that uh, terrible loss there to San Jose. Chad, can you update us on Nick, uh, bruised arm, or what, what's going on there? And does it go back to being 1A and 1, 1B with those two guys? No, Nick's our starter. Um, you know, he um, had a arm contusion uh, on the left arm and lost, lost strength, couldn't grip the ball. And um, and so it was it was you know we thought that as the as the second half came on would it would it lead to anything and he was trying you know trying to throw the ball in the uh, after half but just uh, I felt that Ben was was um, was comfortable and was uh, the moment was not too big for him and and so I thought that uh, uh, that was that was our decision and he wasn't able to go back in. What did Ben do that you really liked? And I thought, you know, he played a lot better today against better competition than they did the first two games. What do you think was different about him today? What did you really like about his play? Well, I thought he was he was very calm. And as a matter of fact, on the sidelines, he was very prepared. Um, and he knew that, uh, um, you know, he had a great feel for, for what was going on with our offense. And um, I think he's had a chance over the last couple of weeks to to, to step back and prepare himself, um, knowing that the, the opportunity was going to come again. And so I did think he played well. I thought that he gave us a chance. I thought he put some really some good balls on the money, and, and, um, and that was good to see. And that's what you ask of your backup when he comes in. I think that we've uh, – I thought that this was a, a pivotal week for, for our football team. Um, we all We all knew that the performance last week was unacceptable. And how we responded was the only thing that matters, and why we got the results that we did, and and um, and so there was a lot of challenging going on this week among each other, um, challenging each other to to to, to really really uh, uh, you know lock in and focus in and, and and just just do what we do, and uh, um, and they did they did on Tuesday they did on Wednesday they did Thursday and Friday and and uh, our meetings were incredible. Um, and, and we've just got to find a way to win. And that's, that's really all this is. We have to find a way to win a game like this. And, uh, and we will. And that's on us as coaches. We've got to continue to keep coaching hard and, and uh, continue to put these young men in, in situations to be successful. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to go back to work. All right, Shane. So I thought this was particularly interesting when he said that Starkle's their guy moving forward. I got to give Moore some credit because I think that's the right move, but I kind of half expected him to just say, well, we're going to yo-yo these quarterbacks again. So 
uh, at least give him credit for that, but we don't even know how long Starkle's going to be out. Arkansas is also on a bye next week, so they got some time to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, and also credit him and his staff for getting this team ready to go. I mean, they could have went into the tank like they did last year, and they, they didn't do it here. Dude, Ben looked good. He looked real good. And I thought about the same thing, man. I was like, dude, he's going to come out and say Hicks the guy, you know? <laughs> Even when I heard the press conference, I was like, okay, he's going to say, you know, he's earned the right, you know, but he didn't do that. So I was like, kudos to him because I would have bashed him either way, I guess, you know, whichever way he went. But I think he's right. You got to stick with Starkle. Now, what is interesting is he is hurt. So it could, he maybe if he doesn't want to yo yo, he can say, you know what? Starkle's just not ready yet. So we're going to, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to go with Hicks, even though Starkle's fine. So, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a little game he could play there with the quarterbacks. But uh, I do like him sticking with Starkle. You know, you never want to lose a job to injury. But uh, that, that first drive when Hicks was in there, he was making some passes. Starkle just wasn't getting done. Mm hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump to the SEC East, where the Gamecocks come away with a 24-7 win over Kentucky. And, man, this was a much-needed win. This is uh, probably the biggest win of the weekend for an embattled coach, I would certainly say. I mean, the Gamecocks, while they didn't go crazy on offense, I mean, they basically controlled this game from the kickoff. Kentucky's offense was just dreadful. I think the best quarterback on this team, Shane, might be old Lynn Bowden at this point. I mean, he brought a little spark to the team. I, I believe they scored their only touchdown with him under center in the in the wild <laughs> Bowden or whatever the hell they call it. And uh, give a, I think you got to give a ton of credit here to South Carolina just sticking to this ground game. Helinski is probably still a little banged up, but they just they went to this ground game, Shane, and man, they they piled it on. They, 247 yards rushing, three scores on the ground, and that's what won them this game. Yeah. Is is Smith hurt? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's been hurt since the Florida game because he just – it's like I said, man, that first half against Florida, he looked like damn near an All-American. Yeah. And the second half, he was shaky. Last last week against Mississippi State, he was not good. And then – He's he was even worse here against South Carolina. I mean, eleven of thirty-two, ninety passing yards and one interception. Mm-hmm. He was just not getting it done, and that's kind of why I made this pick, Shane. And if I would have known he was this bad, um, I mean, they didn't even put up much of a fight in this game. No, they really didn't, and and it kind of surprised me. I, watching it, I just halfway through, I kept saying, "What the heck is Kentucky doing?" Like, I, I thought their defense did okay at times. In fact, real good at times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when they just kept staying on the field and staying on the field, you knew eventually South Carolina was just going to break them. But there was just no answer on offense. And then when they put Bowden back there, I just I, – I, I like him back there as a change of pace, but you knew exactly what he was going to do. So there was no <laughs> real threat to run or to throw, you know. So I, I just don't know. I mean, just – does the, do they have a backup quarterback other than Smith? I mean, other than Bowden? They've got a guy named uh, Walker Wood, who I've never seen play. I think he's a – I could be wrong, but I think he's a redshirt freshman. And I think even he is a little banged up. So, oh, wow. I mean, they've got almost nothing at quarterback. They're getting a bye. This is one of the teams that need it the most. 
And then remember, we talked, we've been hitting this shame. We've been hitting this for several weeks here. Now they get Arkansas. Mm. They get it at home. But I mean, Arkansas, if they play like they did against A&M, I think there's a good chance they beat Kentucky. So Kentucky, I mean, they're, they're going to start reeling here. They've lost three in a row here and they looked just dreadful. I'm not putting a hundred, you know, all the stock on Kentucky just on this one performance because they have looked solid at times this year, but yeah, this this was just not their day. And I think I'm starting to think there's some teams around the league, Shane. Like we see, you know, what does Kentucky look like on the road? What does Mississippi State look like on the road against Auburn? There's there's just going to be teams I think in South Carolina last week on the road at Missouri if they're just not playing at home. Uh, I just think they're just night and day different teams. I think that's that might be what we're seeing here. Yeah. And- I will tell you too. There was there was some times during this game that I think South Carolina got a little conservative. Man, I I, I think they had control of the game, but there was a couple of moments that if Kentucky was able to score, they're right back into it. They could have hushed this crowd up. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, they act like they had. I mean, a ten nothing lead is nothing these days. You know what I'm saying? And at halftime, it just felt like we were just committed to the run so and that kind of makes me concerned about Holinsky maybe his arm is still a little a little uh a little hurt that they didn't want to stretch this field because you're not going to be able to do this against all the teams man I, I just yeah they've got Georgia coming up in two weeks yeah I mean you're gonna have to figure something out and Kentucky's a bad way right now I really I mean at times their defense like I said played great but when they're on the field all the time and your guys are going three and out, four and out, you know, six and out, it, it's just they're eventually going to break, and that's what they did with the running attack, which, by the way, looked really good. Yeah, these two teams, Shane, combined on third down conversions. They were seven of 30. <laughs> Golly. Jeez. So let's jump over here to uh, Will Buschamp, Shane, talking about how big of a win this was for his program. And then the highlight of the week, man, this is – I've become such a Will Muschamp fan, if nothing else, for his quotes. The quote <laughs> of the weekend here, talking about if, if you didn't watch the game, he was seen on the sideline with reading glasses. Someone asked him about the glasses, and uh, this is this was the best quote of the weekend. Will, you had a lot of – I know you do a good job of trying to keep outside noise outside, but with all that leading into this week, how big was this result in particular to make sure that that's kept at bay? Well, sure. You know, you're going into an open week, and then you want to go in with a win, obviously, and a win over an opponent we've, you know, we've struggled with. So that was a, a commanding win, and that's what we needed to have going in the open week. Uh, and again, I think that this football team, the, the biggest word that I would say is we've just been very inconsistent. Uh, we haven't complemented each other at times, offensively, defensively, and special teams. Uh, we, we just we've just been inconsistent at times, and it's been very frustrating. And it's heck, it's on my shoulders. We'll get it corrected. We're going to we're going to work our ass off to get it done. Uh, and and our, our guys understand. But that's what leadership does for you. We have good leadership in the locker room. We have a good culture in our program, um, and our guys do a really nice job of picking each other up and keeping the faith of what we're doing. Will twenty more rushing attempts and passing attempts? Is that just something in the game plan, or is this kind of his offense trying to find its identity at this point in the season? No, I think again, I, you know, do what it takes to win ball games. You know, we we threw it a bunch against Alabama, and we had four hundred eighty something yards, and we needed to score some more points, and we needed to score in the red zone. That's what we needed to do in that ball game to win the win the ball game. We came up short, and tonight the run game was working. We felt good with some of the runs uh, that we had going in the ball game, and and we we stuck with the run. So we're going to do what it takes to win. What prompted the glasses tonight? And I guess is that going to tradition yeah. that's going to stick around? Uh, yeah, 
well, you know what? I'm getting old, and I, and I can't read anymore, especially at night. It's been a shitty fall. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got more gray hair than I've ever had. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. I've been losing, so, I mean, it ain't been good, you know? Well, you said you have, you've had a fall. Are there any um, mentors that you talk to when you're going through a time like this to, to see if you can pick their brain to see, you know, how to kind of navigate through it? Ray Tanner. That's about it. That's the only person that will talk to me this fall, so that's about it. That's, and you know what? We get along real good. All right, Shane. So, <laughs> much chance wife hates losers, and he's getting old. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate with that one. Yeah, that's me, man. My wife, she don't want to <laughs> hang out. I tell her, that's, that's okay, baby. I won this week, you know, <laughs> thanks to Must Champs, boys. So, uh, no, this is awesome. Uh, Coach is so much better when he's happy, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he was getting a little, he was getting a little fiery toward the end of some of these press conferences. But um, what's uh, what does Kentucky do from here, Mike? Man, a hope and prayer, man. Because that, like I said, they've got Arkansas in two weeks. That all of a sudden becomes a must win because after that, then they go to Georgia and they've yeah. got Missouri after that. Missouri's, I, th- I think the world of Missouri at the moment, I mean, we're looking at six game losing streak if they cannot beat Arkansas. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure they would be favored at the moment, but uh, you know, that's, that's not to say they can't beat them. It's in Lexington. They're, they certainly, they'll probably be the favorites. So I'm not saying they're going to be doomed in that one, but they have got to get things solved in a hurry. And sometimes I just don't think there's much you can do. You kind of, at this point in the season, you are who you are. You're not going to be adding any quarterbacks. You know, uh, maybe yeah. they need to get this Walker Wood kid ready to go. Maybe they need to really make sure Sawyer Smith is rested up because, I mean, he's looked solid at moments. We talked about it, uh, particularly in that bowl game last year. I mean, he was dropping dimes. He looked yeah. that, He looked like that against Florida. So maybe two weeks off will really be the cure they need. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, – we're, we're entering into dangerous territory here for the Wildcats. It's crazy how one person could just change an entire team. And I know that they're banged up and they're thin at secondary. And But Terry will made this team. And the fact he's not there – is the difference in three wins, man. I mean, they, they could have had the Florida game, I truly believe. I, they definitely could have been in, in, in the running with this game, uh, Mississippi State. I mean, you just they, – they could – we're talking two different narratives if, if t- Terry could have stayed healthy and or if Gunner stuck around. You know, I don't want to bring up his name since he transferred, but, you know, he, he had a hell of an opportunity if he would have just stayed here and he could have been a plug-and-play and, and maybe they wouldn't have missed a beat. But, yeah, they're, they're really struggling, man. And one uh, last update here. I wanted to make this note, Shim, because Rico Dowell, I mean, he's playing the best football of his career. He had 102 rushing yards on the night. And he injured his ankle. Muschamp did not have an update after the game. But uh, he's saying now on his teleconference here on Sunday, he should be able to practice by the end of the week. So, I mean, that's a huge sigh of relief because the way South Carolina is going on offense, I mean, this is a team that's led by the ground game. And if they're going to lose their their main rusher, they, they would be screwed. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump back to the SEC West, where Alabama took care of business against Ole Miss. I mean, they looked unstoppable on offense, particularly uh, Devontae Smith. 11 catches, 274 yards, five touchdowns. Mm. 
Alabama records for most touchdowns in a game and receiving yards in a game. I mean, he was unstoppable. Uh, but, yes, it was a big win. They didn't cover, by the way, <laughs> David. But uh, this this running or this quarterback, he I thought at times I thought he was a running back here, Shane. But uh, Plumley, the the freshman, I mean, he looked like I don't know. He couldn't really throw the ball that well, but he was all over the field running the ball. He looked like an incredible athlete. He gave it everything mm-hmm. he had. Uh, he really opened my eyes. That. I don't know if you can win with a guy that that appears to be this one-dimensional. He was 10 of 28 passing for 141, but I'm starting to think that he may be the better option than Matt Corral. I just I don't know how this goes because Corral is, is certainly a better passer, but I mean Plumley is looking like Michael Vick or something when he's running <laughs> the ball. You know what? Yeah, he really did, man. And and at times Alabama really had a hard time keeping him in check, you know. And of course Alabama's notorious having problems with mobile quarterbacks. So I don't, I I think he's deserved the right to play more Um, similar to, I don't know, what are these other teams that are doing this uh, two quarterback deal? I don't want to say Auburn because Joey didn't really play that much, but you know what I'm saying? Just kind of come in kind of like this Lynn Bowden did, you know, come in run some wildcat, that, that sort of stuff. I I definitely think you've got to incorporate it. And I think Rich Rod will, uh, that's just kind of his, that's his bread and butter. You know, he loves this. He loves mobile quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, almost 279 yards rushing. Are we, are we starting to get concerned about Alabama's rushing? I mean, they, they won by 28 points. It's not like this was a terrible performance, but, just a, you almost allowed 300 rushing yards. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's not just that, man. It's and it, something to save. Of course, we'll we'll do the clip here in a second. But you could say the exact same thing about Alabama's rushing attack. It's non-existent. Yes, at the end of the day, they had over 100 yards rushing. But I, this is against Ole Miss, and everybody's you know you know what I'm saying. Like you're up, right. you won by fifty uh, fifty nine thirty one. You should have more running than what you've been having, and and I think it frustrates the shit out of Saban, man. You know because like, can we play that clip real quick? Because I want to give away exactly what he says. But I mean, yeah, let's do it. So okay, l- let's jump to Saban where. <laughs> He's talking about uh, Devonta Smith's big day. Never, never heard a coach so damn pissed off to have a receiver have 274 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns, and then also never heard of a coach so pissed off to be five and zero after five games. With Devonta, he scored that first touchdown right away. Is it something? Was it a matter of like, getting the ball to the hot hand, or was it just the way that the passes went that he caught so many? You know, guys, we we, we don't say okay, we're going to throw. Smitty's going to have 11 catches today for 200 and some yards. I mean, we don't say that. We don't say that Jerry Judy is going to catch eight passes a day for 80-some yards. All right, you, you, you read what the defense does when you have a pass play, and then you decide which guy you're supposed to throw the ball to based on the coverages that they're playing. So, you know, some days, you, you know, Ruggs makes big plays. Some days, Smitty makes big plays. Some days, Jerry Judy makes big plays. And today, you know, Smitty did a great job of running without after the catch, you know, today on a couple of those. Uh, big plays that he made. I uh, made a great catch down on the fade ball in the end zone. Uh, you know, Smitty's a, a very, very good player. He's a hard worker. And, you know, he got his today. I mean, he had the opportunities and he got them. We had a couple other opportunities with some other players that, you know, we missed on some 
some big plays, um, which, you know, hopefully we'll be able to make those in the future. What's your assessment of this team after five weeks? Uh, well, you know, we've had some adversity to overcome. Uh, obviously, we're playing some young guys on defense. Uh, we're not really satisfied with the way we're playing defense right now, um, especially today, uh, especially not being able to stop the run effectively, which is something we've always been able to do around here pretty well. So, And I think that's a team thing. I don't think it's about the defensive line. I don't think it's just about the linebackers. It's, it's you know how you play on the perimeter, how you tackle on the perimeter, how you contain the ball, uh, how you run to the ball. Uh, so. Um, you know, and we, we, we need to improve. I think offensively, you know, we've been very, very productive, uh, but we need to be able to not only control the tempo of the game with offense, we got to control the clock and the plays with the offense. I mean, again, today we play 60 some plays of offense and 88 plays of defense. All right, when you win 59 to whatever uh, and you score 59 points, and no different than South Carolina, you know, when we scored 47 points, play 90 plays of defense. Um, if you're really controlling the game, you know, that really shouldn't happen. Uh, so we need to do a better job in, in that area, although we've been very, very productive on offense. Um, but, you know, if we play 20 more plays of defense every game that we play, you know, the cumulative effect of that is times 12. So that's a lot of plays. All right, Shane, you heard it there from the master himself. He was none too pleased about winning by four touchdowns. He must have had the he must have had Alabama in the over just like me. <laughs> oh man. You know, it's just there's just something that I know is driving him nuts, man. We all know that this is an amazing offense. Probably one of the best offenses you're ever gonna see. And and if you're an Alabama fan, sponge it up because it, they're breaking records, it seems like, every time you're turning on the TV and watching them. Mm-hmm. But this is not how Saban wants to play, and he sees the end result. The end result is giving up, uh, what did you say, 200 yards rushing? Or was it close to it, wasn't it? 279 rushing. Two, you give up 279 yards rushing. You can't run the ball. And the problem is, is your defense. They're They're young. They're thin, and when your quarterback's going out there and he's able to hit guys like uh, uh, Judy or, or Smith or what, was, what did he call him? He, he called him something. Smitty. <laughs> Smitty. Yeah, I like that. When he hit old Smitty down there, you know, and he says, you know, we don't just decide we're going to give so-and-so, yet they're out there playing paper, rock, scissors to see who's going to get to catch the deep ball. You know, that's <laughs> that's where Alabama's at. But the the backside, something we talked about with LSU, when you guys are scoring on six yard or six play drives or five play drives, and they're only eating up a minute and a half or two minutes of the clock, you know that's just two minutes that your defense has to rest and get their shit together, and it catches up to you. So when I'm talking about teams like Auburn and Georgia uh, giving Alabama a fit, because if they can sustain a long drive and they can hold that time of possession. Yeah, Alabama's going to be able to score at will, but there's going to be times that they do go three and out. And if Alabama can't stop that opposing team, they're going to they're going to have the same thing they had in the national championship, which is a loss. Yeah, and that's also something that Saban hit on the fact that uh, yes, his team's winning here by multiple touchdowns, but his defense once again facing over 90 plays 
And he's having to do it with a lot of freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen, a lot of sophomores, because they're losing guys left and right. And now they're they're going to lose more people if they just keep having to keep their defense out on the field because mm-hmm. their offense is just – I mean, it's either hitting a big pass play or it's they can't run the ball. And it's that's a you know recipe for disaster in a long season. And all it's going to take, Shane, you know, once the weather gets cooler, it's a, it's a lot harder to throw the ball. And I think Saban is also very concerned. He's never going to say this, but the fact that Tua – you know, if he starts getting hit, he could get hurt. We've seen him get hurt time and again. And yeah. if they're going to – like they threw it in this game, Shane, 37 times. All it takes is, a, you know, a tip pass, you know, a, a receiver running the wrong route. And the next thing you know, you got an interception or two. Mm-hmm. And they this is a recipe for disaster, not against Ole Miss, not against Tennessee, not against Southern Miss. But when they play Auburn, LSU – or down the line, Georgia or Clemson or something. This is just not a winning formula to beat those teams. I, yeah. I really don't think it is. Exactly, man. It's like, dude, I hate to compare it to video games if you've never played one, but when you play a computer and you're doing streaks all day long and you're padding your stats, and then you <laughs> play you play against Cousin Mike, you know, and you can't do that because he's got a defense dialed up for it, then you have to change your the way you play offense. And same thing with Alabama. They're used to winning a certain way. They're used to uh, letting these guys, Smith and or Smitty and all and Judy and all these guys make these amazing games and put it on Tua. And but there's going to come a time in this in this this year that they're going to play a defense that's going to take Tua out. Not physical. Not not like cart them off the field out. But they're going to make them run the ball. And if they cannot do that, they can't adjust. They're, it's going to hurt them. And I think Saban sees that, and that's why he's so damn pissed when you hear him on these pressers. He he knows that the trains are coming, Mike, and he's got to get these boys right. These boys are, like I said, they're they're playing uh, paper, rock, scissors and having fun out there on the field, which is great, you know, but there's going to come a time when they got to play as a team and not individuals. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump over to uh, Vanderbilt. They got their first win of the season. They beat Northern Illinois 24-18 to at home in Nashville. And Riley Neal, Shane, he had a great game here, 21-28 of for 189 and a touchdown. Keyshawn Vaughn got going. He had 138 and a touchdown on the ground. And uh, the, the major concern, I don't know if you want to say concern, but you know we hyped up this Jared Pigney at tight end, and I think he's worth the t- worth all the hype. But he got one catch for one yard. They need to get this kid going. I mean, that's that was kind of important to me. That's kind of a red flag. And Vanderbilt jumped out to an early 14-0 lead. It looked like they were going to blow the doors off Northern mm-hmm. Illinois. But then they just kind of they didn't really do much the rest of the game. It's I don't know if this is a team, even, even if they're playing someone like Northern Illinois, they're not – they shouldn't be, you know – pumping the brakes in the second quarter because a better team is going to come back and and steal a win like Northern Illinois almost did on this game. Yeah, they backdoored my parlay, Mike. I wasn't happy <laughs> about that. <laughs> I thought I had this one, dude. I, I thought Vandy had this, and and it was just highlight after highlight. I was I was glad to see Lipscomb get involved. I was, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn looked just as good as he's always has. I, I don't know much, much about this freshman, but – I thought it was pretty funny, uh, you know, Keyshawn 
scores that score and it comes back and then he's exhausted. So Brooks takes it to the house, you know? So I, I love the running backs here at Vandy and, and you're right. It, it's, it needs to be a three headed monster, not a two headed monster. Pickney needs to get more involved. Uh, um, I thought the quarterback situation looks a lot better here. I mean, he only had seven incompletions. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the future's a little bit brighter for Vanderbilt, but they cannot, they can't take their foot off the gas, especially against the schedule they got coming up, you know? Yeah, when Keyshawn Vaughn-Shane is averaging eight yards a rush and your backup's <laughs> rushing for 30 yards a rush, you'd think that would really open it up for play action with the tight end. Yeah. Uh, that's something they really need to get going. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be hypercritical here because they got the win. Mm-hmm. This could get that momentum going. And Vanderbilt-Shane, they've actually got a schedule that lightens up here in the next couple of weeks. They got Ole Miss. They got UNLV before they get Missouri. But, I mean, there's an outstanding chance the Commodores get three wins in a row here and, and really get the momentum going. Could you imagine? I mean, that's that's the thing. They were beat down at first. They didn't get, you know, I mean, they had a tough draw with Georgia. I really think they should have beat Purdue. In fact, if I think if you have um, this, this game here, this Northern Illinois and then Purdue, I think they come away with a victory. But like you said, they've got a very manageable schedule coming up. And who knows, by the time they get to Missouri, they may be on fire, man. All right, Shane, final game to break down here. Yes, it was against the FCS team, but Gators, Shane, looked really good. This is what you want to see from a team when you have a an FCS opponent come in, but the Gators get a shutout win, 38-0. to They'd certainly look the part against uh, Joe Flacco's little brother, was the quarterback <laughs> for the other team. They, made, they, they picked him off twice, made him look – uh, not elite. And Kyle Trask, I mean, he's looking like a damn Hall of Famer at this point. 18 to 20, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, my only concern in this one, Shane, this offensive line still not getting a great push here against Towson. They allowed four sacks. And obviously, they got Auburn next week. And they have got to get this unit. I don't know. It's kind of like we were talking about uh, with Kentucky. This is just probably who Florida is. They're going to have to work around this offensive line at this point. But, man, they may have the, the toughest defensive line here in the nation coming in next week, and that's that's a red flag for me. Yeah, yeah, they got to get that going. I just – this Florida came out, did what they needed to do, and uh, don't you always hate these games when they got somebody that knows somebody, you know, like Flacco – they said it like 10 times, it felt like. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember what's his name? The the guy that was coaching for Jacksonville and his son was the quarterback. Oh, yeah, Del Rio. Yeah, and they're talking – there's camera up there, Del Rio, and talking about all the great stuff he does. And it's just like, come on, man. You're taking away from the game here. So, yeah, Flacco <laughs> got smoked. But Florida did – I mean, I, I don't think they really showed too much uh, – Hell, Trask was on fire. I don't think everything he threw was a completion. So they they did what they needed to do, and uh, they're sitting there at five and zero, oh, buddy. All right, Shane. Before we hop off here, let's play our little game we like to do every Sunday when we got the time. Guess the week six lines. And for anyone that has missed this previously, what this is, we only got uh, five games here, but uh, this is obviously the next week's slate. And Shane and I, before the show, we get together and we predict what the opening lines will be. So the line, the gambling lines are out, Shane. And let's start with Utah State at LSU. 
what did you think the opening line was going to be? I thought the opening line here would be LSU with 18 and a half. Ooh, I went with LSU minus 28. And I get this one, Shane, because the opening line, LSU minus 25. Mm. So I was, I was pretty close there, but uh, you're giving uh, Utah State a little bit more credit with these uh, fighting Joe Burrows, huh? Yeah, I guess. I just, uh, honestly, I don't know much about Utah State. I just thought, eh, that looked like a good score, you know? So I was a touchdown off. I could see that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I really got to do some more research on Utah State, Mike. You know, I'm not a researcher. You, you're the research guy. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, I remember a team Utah State had like three years ago. And I'm imagining they're still at that caliber. <laughs> Next game up here, Shane Troy at Missouri. What you have uh, predicted for this uh, spread? I've got Missouri minus fifteen. Ooh, and I was close, Shane. I said Missouri minus sixteen. We were both off by a bit here. Missouri favored by twenty-six, nearly four touchdowns. Ooh. Seems like Vegas is buying into the Missouri hype too, Shane. Troy's a dangerous team here. I don't know about this twenty-six point spread. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is like their fourth SEC team this year, so <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> I don't think they're taking that into consideration. So uh, I could see it, though. I could see where they'd come up with that. All right, Shane. Next game, SEC game. This could be a really good game, a toss-up game. Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. What did you predict the opening line? You said toss-up. I thought you were going to talk about Georgia and Tennessee. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I gave uh, – I, I think Ole Miss is going to be favored on this one because uh, it's at home there. So, I got them negative four and a half. Mm-hmm. And I had Ole Miss minus four, but you win this one, Shane, because Ole Miss favored by six and a half. Uh, almost a touchdown there. Hmm. Thoughts on uh, Ole Miss being a, nearly a touchdown favorite here against Vanderbilt? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I, I thought this would almost be a pick em, just seeing what we saw last week. But, uh, yeah, I just think they're giving a little Ole Miss a little cred there for the home field advantage. All right, Shane, you already teased it there. Georgia at Tennessee. SEC Nation will be on scene, Shane. Mm. Take that for what it's worth. What was your predicted spread here? Is this a noon game? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of used to getting getting my football out of the way, so I got the rest of the day. What what time is this one? Please don't say 3.30. This is the ESPN night game, Shane. Oh, okay. I can get behind that. Obviously, I'm not going to it. Uh, Georgia, I've got them minus 24. And I said Georgia minus 20, and it opened at Georgia minus 22. So we we split the difference there. Um, and it actually has moved. It shifted to Georgia minus 24. So you were very close there, Shane. Uh, you're not giving Tennessee the the credit here, but with, to be within three touchdowns, it's intriguing, Mike. I don't like to bet on Tennessee, but you know Tennessee is one of those teams. It wouldn't surprise me if they did keep it closer, but right. just the fact that it is at home. But and they've had two weeks to prepare. I mean, they've been looking at Georgia for two weeks now, um, and I, I think I don't think Georgia's even thought. I mean, they just now starting to talk about Tennessee over there, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with these games? Sometimes can can go, get a little crazy both ways. I've seen them good and bad as a Tennessee fan. All right, Shane. Final one here: the big game, CBS game of the week, Auburn at Florida. 
What was your predicted spread? God, I think I'm going to be wrong on this one, but I gave Auburn the nod uh, negative three and a half. And I said Auburn six. I give Auburn a ton of credit here, Shane. And believe it or not, it actually opened as a pick Not long after opening, it's already shifted to right where you had it, Auburn minus three. So you, you pretty much nailed this one, Shane. What gave you the confidence there to uh, give Auburn a, a field goal advantage there in the swamp? A couple of things. Um, I, honestly, I'm looking at Florida's opponents. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we thought that Kentucky game was great, but then here we see Kentucky really struggling. Um, uh, another one, Tennessee, you can't give that anything. You know what I'm saying? So Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go on the other side. You've got Auburn here, man. Not, not. I mean, they're crushing people. So I, I'm giving them the just the nod right now. So I think I may get a little money on this one before it gets too out of hand. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you. I think Auburn's been – based on who they've played and what they've shown, the most impressive team in the SEC to date. Now, you know, a lot of these teams like Alabama and I know Georgia played Notre Dame, but we've not seen a lot of marquee opponents. So I'm, I'm also taking that into consideration when I make that statement. But I think on a neutral field, Auburn would kill Florida at this point. But obviously mm-hmm. this game's in the swamp, and I think there's going to be a big-time edge here for motivation because I think the Gators are – they're going to look at this one and, and say that, the, you know, they're, they're going to be feeling disrespected. Dan Mullen, he's a great coach, and he'll have his team up ready. I'm thinking, while I'm certainly leaning towards Auburn, obviously with my six-point prediction there, I think this one could be a really close one for a while here, and, and it's going to – I'll be really interested to see, particularly if Florida jumps out to an early lead, how Auburn responds. I don't – they were down against Oregon, but I don't think they've been down in a game since that point. Yeah. How do they respond? And we could also say on the flip side, I mean, this is the same situation Auburn was in a couple of weeks ago when they went into College Station and delivered the first punch and the Aggies never never responded. Could that be Florida this week? I don't know. This is this is going to be a really good game. I'm looking forward to uh, analyzing it all week. Do you know what it kind of feels like? It feels like last year LSU-Florida game. You know, LSU mm-hmm. was starting to get a little bit of that buzz coming in and and mm-hmm. they got in the swamp, got carried away. Next thing you know, Gators got the victory. So I could easily see this thing going the opposite way myself. So I think the off season or the uh, this bye, I don't want to call it a bye week, but uh, you know it was a cupcake team. I think it was uh, enough to get Trask, you know, just a little bit more comfortable. The fact they had Tennessee, he's gonna he's gonna be ready for Auburn. But you know that they've not faced a defense like this all season long. All right, Shane, so we covered a lot of ground on this one. I think we're going to cut it here. Uh, But uh, just wanted to say thanks, as always, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind just going that extra step further, giving us a five-star hearts on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever the hell it's called now, Shane. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.
Yeah, John Luck, that one. <laughs>